This episode of Snow the Goalie is brought to you by the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, where you can find shows such as Crossed Up, Snow the Goalie, Crossing Broadcast, Crossing Broad FC, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, and Broadlines, where you can go for all of your inside access as we have four credentialed people who write for the site and are featured on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. So if you're looking for the inside access without the monthly fee, check out the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. And of course, go check it all out in the written form over on CrossingBroad.com, where you can also go and get all the information about legalized sports betting, our reviews, our guides, and our previews for practically every sport available over on CrossingBroad.com for all of the best sports books available in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Go check it out now. Go subscribe to the other shows. And now... Snow the goalie. Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You listen to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And you're listening. You're listening to Snow the goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the goalie. Gentlemen, boys, and girls, welcome back to Snow the Goalie, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, the Prognosticators Podcast, the Pedialyte Podcast, the Only Flyers Podcast, and now, very soon, to be on the 610 ESPN Airwaves. Now, of course, is Snow the Goalie. Tell your friends, tell your family. Flyers season is just two days away as of us recording. And nothing is more exciting than sitting down and talking hockey with my old pal, Emphasis on the Old. And that's Anthony, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find over on Twitter, at Ant Philly. Anthony. Russ. It's good to hear you. <clears throat> I'll be honest, I, my ears popped there a little bit at the very beginning. I was not anticipating your, uh, your uh, vociferous lead-in, but that's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting back that's into here things for. here. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just... Just getting back into the swing here of uh, hockey season. It's October. You know, it's that time of year. Um, uh, I paid attention to, to training camp, but I hate training camp, so you, you probably haven't seen me say anything publicly about it. Um, we'll talk about it tonight. Um, it, it's, like, my least favorite thing, and I'll tell you why it's my least favorite thing. Go you, want go, you want me to do that right now? Yeah, go right ahead. Because one thing I learned in my years covering hockey – um, first as a, you know, objective journalist, and then second as a um, member of the Flyers organization for a couple of years, and now uh, as an objective journalist again, um, is that the majority of what, I don't even want to say majority, it's like 95 to 99% pretty much, <clears throat> of what goes on in training camp is predetermined. Um, yeah, the, there's this whole notion that, oh, guys looked good in camp and they want a job in camp. And yeah, I, I guess every once in a blue moon, a guy comes in and kind of, you know, solidifies a position. But it, it's, it's a sham because they come into camp with X number of players, right? And they immediately cut down to, they cut the, the group down 
and then they cut the group down again, and then they cut the group down again, and it really gets down to the last, you know, two or three guys battling for one or two jobs, and that's really it. Everything else is predetermined, and even those two to three guys who are battling for those jobs are predetermined. And, and I'm going to point it out to you, um, if you recall. I mean, I, you know, I think that you know, oh, Connor Bunneman was a little bit of a surprise, right? A little bit of a surprise that he's on this roster for a lot of people. But if you recall, not, not if you go back in your read back in what was it, January? <laughs> I did an interview. Was it, or was it March? I think it was I did, January. It was January. Did, yeah, in right? January. I did an interview with Brent Flair, the assistant general manager, um, back in January. And he told me then that Connor Bunneman was a guy that they expected to be a contributor um, this year. They knew in January. And so it got this whole big, oh, look at this. He's had a great camp. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Had a good camp. That's all well and good. They knew six, nine months ago that he was going to be a guy that they were considering for a roster spot. So the whole thing is a little bit of a, you know, they know going in what they're looking at. Obviously, injuries play into it a little bit. You know, obviously, somebody gets hurt, somebody's not available, and somebody has to step in. I get it. You know, those kinds of things can happen. And I guess those are the only variables that really come into play. But I don't really think someone comes into camp with a job and loses it. Let's put it that way. Okay, nobody really comes into job into camp with a job and loses the job just doesn't happen. So that's why I don't make a big deal out of training camp. I don't make a big deal out of the preseason. I follow along, know what's going on, you know, stay on top of it. But at the same time, it's just dreadful (laughs) and it's predetermined. And, you know, the, the Flyers are now getting ready to play a game on Friday to open the season against the Blackhawks. And everybody's freaking out. They got eleven forwards, seven defensemen, and two goalies. They only have twenty guys because and they're right up against the cap. It's a bad situation. And it's because they gotta put somebody on long term injury reserve, probably. Probably. Um, I guess uh Tyler Pitlick could be cleared to play, even though he didn't play at all in the preseason and be there at twelfth forward. But at the same time Hey, don't I, feel bad. Don't feel bad, Tyler. No, most of your teammates didn't play. Yeah, that's the, right. They uh, didn't play, they didn't really play the preseason either. Um but I mean it, like everybody's like kind of freaking out of Faraby got sent down, Phil Myers got sent down. A lot of that is paper trail. Uh, more for Faraby, I think. I think Myers is a guy that really quite hasn't done enough yet and, and they want to they want to get him playing some more and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he actually stays down for a little bit. Um, uh, Which is weird a little bit because Av Av had kind of talked up Myers going into camp. Um, yeah, he wasn't he a guy did. that he wasn't a guy that was that was being discussed as somebody who like might have been competing for that six or seven spot as a defenseman. He made it sound like Andrew or like uh, Phil Myers was. I, I don't know why I keep going with Andrew for that. Why um you know that Phil Myers was was probably set up in position to uh, to make this team and to have you know a, a pretty solid footing. Like I I thought. That going into this camp, we were going to be seeing, you know, the the ultimate battle between six and seven, where it was supposed to be between, you know, Sam Moran and Robert Haig, right? Because Robert Haig was the guy that a lot of people, especially analytics people, really hated last year. Um, and that Sam Moran is kind of like the guy that, that's been hanging around this entire time where everybody just kind of views him physically and, and like hopes and prays that somehow he's going to be like the new embodiment of like the Chris Pronger style or of, or of like the giant Darian Hatcher, right? And it, it's always just been a question of, like, especially with, with Moran, it's always been a question of, like, can the guy skate, right? Because, you know, any of his skills yeah. don't really matter if he can't yeah, actually I mean, you know, you know, it's, it's, move it's around an and keep up with the action in this NHL, right? So this has been weird. 
Like, I think the Myers thing is, is maybe the most surprising thing to come out of this. Well, camp. I mean, it's it, it's a little bit surprising, but not a lot surprising. Because you keep in mind, it's not like they, they looked at Phil Myers and said, oh, here's a guy who's, you know, part of our top four. I mean, there, there, was, a, there was never a doubt that Phil Myers was going to be a third-pair guy. And, you know, we talked to the, in the summer a little bit when we um, did a couple of podcasts. We were like, well, gee, I'm not in love with the notion of Phil Myers and Shane Gostisbehere playing together. Um and that quickly <laughs> dissipated in, in training camp. Uh, obviously, they uh, Vino saw that uh, that that was not a good combination. And put Gostas Bear with uh, Braun, uh, which is a more reliable uh, stay-at-home kind of guy, which is what Gostas Bear needs on the other side. He can't play with another freewheeling defenseman; uh, otherwise, it's going to be a it's going to be a total mess. So, uh, having Gostas Bear with Braun made more sense. Um, uh, so then it really came down to, well, is Phil Myers going to play with, you know, who? Uh, um, and it looks like it's a situation where he just wasn't quite where he needed to be. And so they're going to send him down again. And that's okay. It's okay to send him down for a little bit. Let him play, you know, a handful of games with the Phantoms. And then you call him back up after a few weeks. It's it's okay. It's not a big deal. Robert Higgs not going to kill you. It's not like Phil Myers in the lineup for – for the first 10 games is is going to um, be that big of a, a difference over Haig, for that matter. Um, so it's it's that's fine. But I think that ultimately you're going to see Farabee be on this roster real soon, maybe even as soon as Friday. I think that there's I think that there is a path to to get him uh, to get him recalled. Um if they, the the Flyers are doing this on a day by day basis because of where their cap situation is, which is I, that's something I do want to get into at, at some point. I, and I know we're a little bit all over the place right here at the beginning of the show, but I, I do want to get into that's okay. Being scattered is okay. It's it's one of the things that we do best. Yeah, no, but I do want to eventually talk about the, the Flyers and their salary cap situation and how it got to be <laughs> where it is um, because that's a, that's a little bit concerning to me. Um, but I, 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 that you can put, you know, uh, Nolan Patrick on long-term injured reserve tomorrow. Um, and tomorrow meaning Thursday for those who are listening, right. Meaning Thursday, or even you could even do it on Friday if you want to save a day, um, and do it on Friday, um, and recall Farabee and he could be the the 12th forward, you know, and even if, um, even if Pitlick is deemed healthy, um, and stays on the roster um, as the 13th forward, that's fine too. Um, so, I mean, I, like, I really think that there's a real chance that Farabee is still playing on Friday um, against the Blackhawks. So uh, I, I don't freak out as much about that one, and I'm not freaking out much about the Phil Myers one either. The, the guy who's been, I guess, the, the pleasant surprise for a bottom six forward is Carson Torinsky. Um, I, yeah, he, and that's that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to interrupt your like your soliloquy to to lead off the uh, the episode today. <laughs> but like, of all the people that like maybe we wouldn't have expected and like probably didn't have a predetermined path, Torinsky I think is is probably like the number one guy, right? Like, this is somebody who last 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 camp uh, had st- had stood out enough that I think people had started to to put a little bit of of uh, a, a few of their chips behind him. As somebody who maybe could have a shot, if not right out of camp, maybe goes down and uh, you know with with a solid showing 
uh, could have gotten a call up to the NHL roster last year, and it, it never ended up happening. But he was somebody that stood out in camp last year, and it felt, you know, at least from where I was, it felt like, you know, look, if he has another good camp this year, knowing, especially once, you know, Nolan Patrick's uh, migraine diagnosis came across, that was going to, you know, cause, uh, you know, some shifting, probably Scott Lawton moving up to the third line. And then, you know, I think that kind of solidified that, like, Bunneman was going to make it as the fourth line center. But there was still going to be this possibility, and because we talked so much about, you know, third line right wing, the idea of Torrency making the, the roster didn't seem as far-fetched as it might have seemed a year ago. I mean, two strong camps in a row, you can't kind of argue with uh, with that. And he's been relentless on the puck all throughout the preseason. Like, when it's looked like some guys on this roster haven't cared or have been kicking the rust off, Torinsky, like, right off the bat, I think, has been maybe not the sharpest player, maybe not the sharpest skater, but he certainly has been putting in the effort that you want to see out of a young player trying to scrap his way onto this roster. Yeah, and I mean, look, we're we're, we're talking about a fourth line guy here, right? But I mean, you know, he's young. He's he's a good skater. Um, he's he, you know he, he's smart, and that's a, that's an important thing when you when you play on that fourth line. Uh, you want a you know a smart player. You don't want anybody who's going to take any unnecessary risks. Um, he's got a you know he's got a little bit of a defensive knack uh, to him, and um, and so yeah, I mean that's great. I mean you know there's always a guy there's always room for a guy like that on your you know when you're dealing with it in the salary cap world, you pretty much have to have you know at least one if not two fourth line guys who are probably you know a little bit of a tweener you know between you know that AHL and NHL kind of level who are probably going to play a decent number of games for you. Um, and so like, you know, he's 21, he's young, he might, you know, develop into something more than that. And if they feel like he's, you know, at the level where he can, where he can play and contribute, um, and, and not, uh, stifle his development any further, you know, by only playing, you know, an eight to 10 minute a night role, um, then that's fine. And then, you know, you, you allow, you, you allow for that and you get excited about it because it's an, you know, another young player and you, you know, like, Oh yeah, there's a good guy. There's a guy I want to learn a little bit more about. And that's great, um, but uh, yeah, Russ. I mean, it's it, it's an interesting spot that this team is in because they had a dreadful preseason. I mean, and it, you know, games they did, don't matter. And, and, and let's let's like get something out of the way too. Like Torinsky played the most games of anybody on this roster. He played in, in five of the preseason games. They've had they had six against NHL competition, and then one the other day against uh, Lausanne in uh, in Switzerland. <laughs> which I I'm not gonna say which writer I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna call out which writer said it but there was definitely a beat writer who I'm pretty sure is over there right now who said that the Flyers were preparing to play the Swiss national team so that was the thing um, and this certainly was not the Swiss national team um, anyway Torinsky was uh, one of the three team leaders in goals and if that doesn't tell you something as a Flyers fan about how this preseason has gone. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. It's the Flyers in this preseason were led by a fourth liner, Torinsky, JVR, hey there, fella, with two goals, and Travis Konechny, who, by the way, was held out into, what, the second week of camp. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how the preseason's gone, goal-scoring-wise, for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers. But continue. Go go on about the preseason. Yeah, it How doesn't – it? It, it really – no. So so here's, here's the thing. It doesn't really matter, um, obviously. It's preseason. doesn't make a difference – you know, if you win games or you not or you don't, you really just want to see how certain players are playing in certain situations. And the games that matter more are the ones where you're playing against uh, a lineup on the other team that's 
uh, a little bit more veteran heavy and not so much just a bunch of you know AHLers trying to make a name for themselves. Um, so like you know you look for little things here and there, and and I'm sure that you know the Flyers saw some things that they needed to see. Um, I thought there are always positives that you can take out of a preseason, regardless of uh, of the actual record. Now I will say. There was one season. You go, if we go back in time, um, uh, back to the right before Bob Clark was fired as the general manager. They had a terrible um, preseason. I think they were one five and one um, in that preseason. And uh, w- the last preseason game, um, Bob Clark gathered the the media <laughs> and said, "Yeah, we're in trouble." <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you could you could know that you could learn that about your team as well. I, I don't think the Flyers are in are in that spot um, where they feel like they're in trouble. Um, but I, you know, I I also think that there were things that they saw that they didn't like, and and I think that that's why you know AV came out and said things like you know, hey, we're getting we're going to cut this team down a little further, a little quicker. You know, we got to get ourselves going in the right direction. Um, yeah, he juggled the lines in practice again over in Europe. Uh, they're not they're not playing the way we you know together like we thought they were going to play. Um, I, you know, I like it. I, I like the fact that he's you know holding them accountable in the preseason or holding them accountable before the season even begins. Um, I think that will go a long way ultimately. You know, to where this team ends up. Um, but I wouldn't make too big of a deal out of it. I wouldn't get all panicky, uh, even though yes, you lose to a, uh, a Swiss league team. Um, that that can happen. I mean, hockey the, the the fine line in hockey is so thin, Russ. That you know, a team that works hard can beat a team that with better talent if the hard work is you know if they're working hard enough. I mean, it really just that's just the nature of the sport. And so maybe the the Flyers, well, not maybe, certainly the Flyers are the more talented team, obviously. Um, but they kind of were lackadaisical for much of that game against Lusane and. And that Swiss team, to their credit, worked their tails off. And, you know, they deserved that win, even though it didn't mean anything for the Flyers. Um, it, that can happen. I, I, I don't put a lot into it. I don't put a lot of stock into it. I, you know, normally I, you know, I know that I tend to be a little bit more of a cynic, a little bit more cranky. I, th- none of this matters as far as I'm concerned. None of it. I, it means you nothing. Know what? Look, it could have just been that the Flyers landed over in Switzerland, they decided to go to a Brauerei, you know, like Brauerei Locher, and they started having Quillfrisch. Pretty soon, you're just you're just throwing them back with gritty, making some chocolate, and all of a sudden, you get your rear ends handed to you. I don't know, but look, just, it's okay. You, you just um, wanted to speak one, there, a little I German there, were, there, didn't you? I did. I really did. <laughs> you just really I wanted to show off. Sent me abroad. That would have been that would have been that would have been so great. Wait until I find Raffle this year, man. We're gonna have a good old German moment. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. So I, there were like two main things that I think people have been firing off consistently, uh, my way and your way, on Twitter the last few days. But especially when we solicited questions from the listening public, um, there there were two main. I had people and 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 things that came out. So one is everybody seems focused on AV. And the other thing is that people seem a little bit caught up in the preseason record. I think you did a good job of explaining why it might not be as big of a deal. I want to get to the AV stuff really quickly because we've yeah. now seen two episodes of Behind the Glass, the NHL Network special. What did they call it? Training camp with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Groundbreaking. AV, I think, was – like, AV has been gutsy. Stop. Stop. You watch it. 
you watch it with your words that you choose from people. That's what they speak, called it. Who, who do the press? That's what, that's what they the press release it. said. I that's know what the they press called it groundbreaking. Said. Listen, stop being so snarky. It's a new season, okay? We need we need some people to stick around with the show because the the thousands of Snow the Goalie listeners who check in and occasionally send an email or a DM say, "Can you get Anthony to be a little bit less negative?" It's the start of a new season, okay? Let's just try to give the people what they want, a little bit of positivity, just a little. Fake it if you must. Did um, I already do that? The, I already you said know, that the I thought, preseason didn't matter. There you go. Proud of you. <laughs> just throw it out. Throw it out. Hey, it's just like the game Continue. film on, on all of last season, right? Throw it all out. Yeah. it's kind of what A.V. said. We like A.V., though. A.V. is a friend of the show. Um, you know, I think A.V. was gutsy, and, and really it speaks to what you said off the top of the show. Flyers go out and get shellacked in a preseason game, and he's like, screw this, it's enough. I don't need to see a bunch of guys who have no shot to make this roster. We're paring this thing down, and we're going to play the vets. And he came out right afterwards, and and in explaining his rationale, just said, like, in the past, I've had playoff teams. The vets have to play, like, two or three games, and it's not a big deal. He's like, we're not playing well, so the vets need to play more. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's the difference between... Having a guy who's unproven, a former college coach like a Dave Haxtell, or having a guy who had like varying degrees of success at the N- at the NHL, but I think has really proven to be a much better player development guy in the AHL and Scott Gordon. In when you've got a guy like Elaine Vigneault who's got the track record that he has, he is able to make those kinds of calls to have clout with his GM and to, and for the vets, quite frankly, to know like this guy means business and and the days of maybe loafing around or going through the motions in the preseason have come to an end. And I have to say that the accountability piece, this isn't to go like sports talk radio and like say that everybody's got to, you know, be a good old fashioned, you know, blue collar, hard nosed fan. But like, there is something to be said for go out and actually put the effort in, put in the requisite amount of effort that people expect you to put in. I've got to say that, like, I think that 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 moment, that message that he sent by saying like enough is enough, the vets have to play and I don't need all these guys in camp. I thought that was a good moment. So I'm looking at some of these questions and comments that people sent over. I've got CBS gone fishing here, CB Sauerbrunn on Twitter, who says, what if AV can't get any better results from this team than the previous regimes? Let's hope that's not the case. Um, but the preseason so far has not been encouraging. And I, I think you've already spoken to this and I just ranted a little bit about it. I, I, I had this fear when they first hired AV that maybe the, the team was putting too much of an onus. And I, I think at the time I said the team was uh, arrogant. Did I say arrogant, I think? And I thought that they were disconnected from reality if they thought that making fringe moves was going to take this team to a new level. That, like, you would have to be arrogant to a fault to think that making mild moves uh, was going to be able to get you over the hump and that you were going to just kind of rely on the fact that, like, if you had had better coaching last year, that you would have been a contender in this conference. But I do have to say that, like, even though I said that at the time, just observing the way that Vigneault goes about practice, the way that he goes about um, holding his players accountable, the way that he's spoken on a myriad of topics to the media and has, you know, addressed, I think, a lot of, you know, quasi-tough questions as things have not gone well and the results haven't been there in the preseason. I've got to say, like, I think that he is certainly the kind of coach that's going to get a few more wins out of this team, even if they were to play terribly. But I understand why there would be, like, a little bit of skepticism, right? Well, of course. I mean, the, the, the one thing that 
you know, the, you look at the off season and the basically, you know, what the Flyers have done here is they basically brought back the same team we had last year um, with a couple of modifications that I'm not certain were huge upgrades by any stretch of the imagination. They were just kind of, you know, on the whole, we had this conversation earlier in the summer. They were just kind of, um, you know, more lateral uh, in their moves. Um, but that the big move was bringing in Vigna. And, and, and that, was the, that was the big change. Um, and so, therefore, they are hoping that, they're, that they have the talent to be better than they've been and that all that they needed was a different messenger to get to to kind of cull that talent, right, and bring, bring it out of the team, mm-hmm. um, and that's what they're hoping for. It, if not, to answer uh, at CB Sauerbaum's um, question, uh, you know, if if they're not much better, if they end up being just a fair to middling five hundred club as they have been for much of the last seven years. Um, then, the, then, then they really have to look at players and changing like big time changes with the roster, um, because the coach isn't going anywhere. This guy's not going. Anywhere. It's not like they're going to come in and suddenly out they're going to struggle and be like, oh, oh man, we maybe we hired the wrong guy and go get another coach. No, that is that's not going to happen. They're they're going to then have to you know the players have been given every benefit of the doubt to this point. You know, oh, the general manager was was too much of a pain in the ass. Oh, the coach was not a great coach. Oh, we then had to deal with a minor league coach. Oh, and we had eight goaltenders. Oh, and we had this problem, and we had this problem. There's no more excuses for this group. None. And it's not going to be put on the coach this time. We're not going to sit there and start blaming the coach for his, for his lineups and stuff. He's a guy that knows what he's doing. And he knows that you know how to try and make this team a better team. And if it doesn't work, then it's got then the team has to change, and that's sure. it. So so that to answer that question, it's you know it, that's what will happen. That the team will change, and it will change quick. I don't I don't think there will be much of a uh, hold holdover with with some of these guys. So okay, let's let's now flip to the positive about Vino, right? So um, I guess we'll take two things here. So uh, Scott Mac ninety two on Twitter asked about what we thought or what we made of the performance on Monday in Europe. Is it alarming or knocking the rust off and learning the system? And then Christopher Malanga at Chris Malanga 19 said that he's growing fond of AV and wants to know uh, what he can look forward to with AV system in place. I think if you put those two things together, I thought it said something that the Flyers managed to come back, um, you know, in that game. It was the first time I think Carter Hart has looked quite uncomfortable in that they were saying on the telecast that Brian Elliott wasn't expecting to play in that game much, if at all. I think that they rebounded well insofar as they clearly got the message uh, once Carter Hart gave up the fourth goal that it was it was time to, to buck up or shut up. And, you know, they didn't end up winning that game, but I thought that they showed, you know, a bit of resolve in getting themselves back into the game. When we talk about, like, the kind of system that AV's going to run, I mean, I would refer people back to the episode that we did uh, where we sat down with Elaine Vigneault, and the video is available on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel as well as uh, in this podcast feed. But like he said going into camp that what he thought was going to happen was they were going to play a, a quick attacking, quick to get the puck out of their own zone and into the offensive zone kind of system. And he thought that he had the requisite talent uh, defensively to get it out of the zone and that 
the team had quickness and enough quickness up front that they were going to be able to play a, a high tempo game. I think what you've seen is a team, a, a lot of which the personnel haven't been used to playing that kind of system. And I think that there's a, a real developmental period here and there's going to be a transitional phase as they get used to playing the way that Vino wants them to play. It's not the Dave Hackstall system. It's it's not even you know the kind of system that I think Scott Gordon was trying to implement later in last season. There are going to be growing pains with it. So I think it's it's vastly unfair of people to expect this team to come out of the gate and you know go, I don't know, we said before that results don't matter in preseason, but like if you thought they were gonna like rattle off four of six wins or like go three, one and two or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I, I think people would have been happier if it, if the record had been more respectable. But like there's a lot of growing pains that are gonna go with with learning this new system. But like he's clear and concise and he's got two former head coaches that are on the bench with him to implement the special teams parts of the game. So I'm like pretty confident that by 10 games into the season, this team is going to probably like play an effective brand of hockey, something that should be more pleasing to the eye than we've had in recent years. Would that be fair? I, I can't say that. Russ, I can't. And the reason I can't say that is is because it's not has nothing to do with the coach. It really doesn't. I mean, I, I have I have full confidence in the coach uh, as a coach, and and in that his he's going to do everything he can to get this team playing to the ability that they should be playing at and playing to a level that fans will enjoy watching. That doesn't mean that they're still not going to have the same flaws. The, 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 like suddenly players don't suddenly change the way they play i mean yeah young guys develop a little bit you know some veterans fall off a little bit but um i think that the players in and of themselves are going to be the players that they are um you hope that there are bounce backs from guys like provorov and gostas bear i mean that would help um you know combine that with with uh you know healthy goalies and, and the flyers are a better team um but if they're inconsistent again, or if Carter Hart has a little bit of a sophomore slump, or Brian Elliott gets hurt again, and then they're relying on you know uh, backup goalie to you know like an Alex Lyon to come in and play you know the kind of number of games that they expected Elliott to play, or um, there's injuries or whatever the case might be, and they end up being a little bit less than mediocre for a stretch. I mean that's what it's going to be. I mean that's what this team is. I you know it, it, it's funny like. I was reading there was a, a preview on the athletic for the NHL right this year, and what they did oh, is I saw they, this. did you, I don't know if you saw it right where they, they I, just I, I think I yeah yeah so they basically were just talking about you know who's going to be who's going to go to the Stanley Cup and who's going to you know win each conference who's going to win all the awards who are the most who are going to be the most surprising teams who are going to be the most disappointing teams and they gave you like and and it gave you the breakdown right and and like they even. You know, there was there were, there were actually two different stories. There was one that was like a poll of all of the writers for the Athletic, and then there was one that Pierre LeBrun put out that was the the thirty one coaches in the NHL that he texted each of them and had them all answer these questions. And there were multiple answers, right? There were 10, 12 teams that were going to be the surprise team, and then there were you know eight to ten teams that were going to be the disappointing team. The Flyers were nowhere to be found. <laughs> They, they were just not they, because because I think everyone recognizes what they are and they are that you know mediocre middle Stop. of the road. Stop! Not allowed. Team. We're gonna ban the word mediocre. 
We're banning the word mediocre until we're 10 games into the season. Well, this but is a what... wonderful team, and they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, okay, Russell, please. Sorry. I mean, I mean that's Sorry. what I'm saying. My, my, my point is, is that, you know, they're not terrible, but they're not really good either. They're just kind of there. And, and that's not a lot different. I saw another than... thing from The Athletic today. This is what I, I thought you were going with. The uh, the Athletic had a thing come out today that said that they were going to finish second in the Met. Uh, which I thought would have given you heart palpitations or might have put you in like a Bernie Sanders-esque need for stats. I, I don't know where you got that. Get you better got soon, Bernie. Get that. better soon. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. But I'll tell you, the other thing that The Athletic's doing is they have their um, – uh, they're up daily updated statistical projections, standing projections, and you know playoff pop mm-hmm. probabilities and all all the you know stupid math. Um, right now, the Flyers are a forty five percent chance to make the playoffs. I mean, that's kind of where they're Beautiful. at. You know, they, are they? They have them. They so they, if if you're ranking them in the division, they have Carolina, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise to me that they had them first, but they have Carolina number one in the division. Pittsburgh, number two, also a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, Washington, three. I would have had Washington higher. Jersey, four. And the Flyers, five. So the Flyers, fifth in the Metro, okay, which is – I haven't – I said – I haven't given an official prediction, but a few weeks back when, we, when you asked me, I said fifth or sixth. That's where I thought that they would finish in the division, and it's kind of you know right in line with what the, what the math is showing. And then so if you look at the Atlantic, you got Tampa, one, Toronto, two – Boston three, um, and then Florida four. Well, if if you got and Florida's ahead of the Flyers, um, slightly in a percent chance. So if you say okay, those four teams and the four teams from the Metro, the Flyers are going to be just outside the playoffs. They're going to just miss according to this math. I, I think that that's kind of where they're going to be. They're either going to be just missing or just getting in one way or the other. And I'm sure we're going to be thrilled and happy if they get in. I'm sure we'll be miserable and, and malcontent if they don't. And and that's just – that's the nature of the talent of the team. And you can't do anything else about it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. I'm going to go cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No point in playing the season. No, pl- no, no point. Well, no, I mean it's – the, the math says they're on the outside looking in. That's it. Well, I mean, look, I think that it's I think that Carolina has goaltending issues, but they're a really good team. I think the Penguins are old, but they still have a lot of high-end talent. I think the Capitals are are certainly a better team than the Flyers. I like what the Devils have done. I think the Devils are going to be an interesting team and they got a really good coach. I, I really is there like anything weirder there. to see than Wayne Simmons in a Devils jersey? I, it's yeah, but it, you know what? It is it has caused it has caused me physical anguish yeah. yeah but i i think that the devils might be you know they're right them and the flyers are kind of neck and neck in my mind and you know i think the devils might be a little bit ahead uh the devils also have goaltending issues that that's the one thing i that's the one thing like i look at the flyers and i say if carter hart can just be decent he doesn't have to be a savior but if he could just be a decent goalie in his second season in the nhl that probably gets the flyers in because I really think that I really think well, that they're what? that close. You know what they also have though, right? What's that? They have the first overall pick from the 2017 draft contributing. Where the Philadelphia Flyers have the number 2 overall pick from the 2017 draft not playing. And as I mentioned before, the migraine disorder di- uh, diagnosis that that came out for Nolan Patrick is 
maybe the most stunting of all of the injuries and uh, medical maladies that have plagued this young man in his NHL career thus far. Because, and uh, Kevin and I talked about this over on Crossing Broadcasts uh, last week, I think, but like migraines are something that I've, I've luckily never suffered a concussion before, but migraines are something that run in our family. And to try to explain to somebody who's never had a migraine before just how debilitating they are, it's, it's borderline impossible. But like if Nolan Patrick's disorder is so bad, like if the migraines that he's getting are so bad that, that they're, you know, the, the ultimate uh, pressure behind the eyes, nausea, you just try to take something for it and sleep a few hours off in a dark, dark room, this is not going to bode well for his career. There's just no way because they're like the brain and any kind of brain related thing. It, it is so hard for you to pinpoint the specific cause of any of it and to get it under control. Now, maybe this disorder that he's got or that he's been diagnosed with is something that's treatable with medication and it's a preventative measure. But if he's in the kind of position where everything has to be reactive, it, it does not bode well. I can't stress to people enough. Like, if he had gone and like reaggravated a sports hernia issue, okay, fine, that's one thing. If this had even been like a concussion thing, and and we're talking about post concussion syndrome, all right, I think we have a better idea of what we're looking at. And in terms of the rehab, like it's not perfect, but I think we kind of know. Migraines are their own beast, man. Like the the possibility that this could drag the entire season, where you know, let's say he gets healthier, he gets cleared to play, he gets cleared for contact. There's the entire possibility that like an hour before the game, he gets taken out by a debilitating migraine and now all of a sudden you're scrambling. You know, I, I don't want to go full alarmist here, but like there there is a realistic possibility here that, that the Flyers will not be able to rely on Nolan Patrick this season or any season for that matter going forward if it is that severe of, of, a, of a disorder. I can't stress it enough to people. It's not just something where it's like, hey, you know, go go take I, I don't know NHL can't take bike it in but like I don't think it's something where you can go and, and just like take you know a, a regulated pain medication as a preventative measure and just hope that everything works out I like this is I think the most concerning injury or diagnosis that any Flyers player has had since probably like Chris Pronger's uh concussion mm-hmm. that's just where I'm at like I, yeah. I'm deeply concerned for this and I feel terrible for for Nolan Patrick because his career was not supposed to go like this. And no. I know I'm sounding like total alarmist. Like I've, I've gone to like the worst case scenario and I get that, but it, it is something that is very worrisome to me. And I, I have, you know, something kind of similar, but like, this is bad. Like I, it, yeah. I can't stress to people enough how bad this could be. And it's bad because like you said, he could feel better in two weeks and come back and start playing, play for a couple weeks. And then, not be okay or try and play through it or whatever the case might be and it could it could it could impact him and who knows maybe it's been impacting him for the first two years maybe that's why he's been so inconsistent um uh, as a player who knows um but i also want to throw something else at you russ and and i don't i'm not i don't want to say this like i'm belittling nolan patrick because I, i don't want that to come across this way but I do want to. I do want to make a, a, a what I think is a fair comparison. Um, there's the, part of the story here is is that you know this migraine condition is genetic. Uh, he's got a family history of it, right? Uh, 
1980, the Buffalo Sabres drafted a player in the first round, number 20 overall. His name was Steve Patrick. Steve Patrick's career uh, spanned in the NHL um, six seasons, four with Buffalo, parts of two with the Rangers, and part of one with Quebec. And he was expected to be, you know, a top-end offensive talent. He was a winger, um, had some good size, just like like his son does. Um, he was 6'4". Um, had great junior numbers and never really panned out in the NHL. Had a lot of injuries, never made it through a full season healthy. Um, did get sent down a couple times, but was mostly just kind of like just struggled with, with a lot of different things. Now, this was in the 80s when it was, you know, you couldn't diagnose anything then like you can now. So, you know, you never know. Sure. And guys probably played through a lot more uh, then than they do now. Um, but it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if, if in fact, you know, we hear this, that this is something that, that's been going on since last season. They've been trying to figure it out. It took them forever to determine if this was a concussion, if it was related to concussions. It's not. Okay, we're pretty confident it's a migraine condition. Okay, fine. So it's not concussion related. Um, and we just got to try some meds. We got to try a different diet, see if that changes anything. Like there's so much unknown and the fact that it's genetic and that there was a history there of, a, of his dad struggling with, you know, injuries like, you know, like this when he was a player. It makes you wonder if, if in fact, that this is going to end up be, end up becoming. I'm not calling him a bust yet, but it makes you wonder if he's on that path. Well, I saw people saying that like it's insensitive to call him a bust, and that it's too early because of of his limited career thus far. Well, it is. Too I think early. it'll. Uh, yeah, and, and so I guess bust ends up sounding like I, I, like I, I think it's hard in a sense to to lump a guy who's taken out by some kind of injury that's out of his control and and lump him into just being an underwhelming player. Now, like if Nolan Patrick were were to not have been diagnosed with this, uh were to still be a guy who would miss stretches of a season with various injuries as it kind of been, you know, one of the reasons that that people believe that he fell to the number 2 pick in his draft. Um and put up the points that he has thus far in his career, I think people would have probably called him something close to a bust. Um, we still have not seen at the NHL level, even when he's healthy, we have not seen him elevate his line mates to the next level. Clearly this team didn't believe that he was close to making that next step to solidify the two C spot on this team. Hence they went out and got Kevin Hayes to take that spot out entirely. There was never the communication from the team that they were hoping that Nolan Patrick was going to push Kevin Hayes for that number two C spot. And I think that that in some way, shape or form is kind of telling. Now, maybe part of the reason that they went out and got Kevin Hayes wasn't just because they didn't think that Nolan Patrick could take that step. Maybe it's because they in them trying to get him diagnosed or to figure out what was causing him so much angst. They realized that it was going to be hard to rely on him in that spot and they needed more consistency in the top six. Like that's entirely possible. Um, I do think that the people who expected, and, and there were some who seemed to think that Nolan Patrick going down and playing on the third line was going to cause him to like have this new fire lit under him. And quite frankly, like 
this is this is where I guess it's kind of tough to talk about a guy who's not playing right now. But like Nolan Patrick, I think, is a guy who when he gets pissed off in a game, when he gets that fire lit, when he has extrinsic motivation, he ends up being kind of like the player that you would expect. He looks like the guy who could have been a number one overall pick in his draft. But I think he lacks a lot of the intrinsic motivation that makes players great. And I think we have enough of a sample size to say that early in his career as a young player in this league, he doesn't have that intrinsic motivation. Travis Konechny, on the other hand, is somebody who looks like he gets up and gets up for every game as if it's a big game. Heck, even even Carson Torinsky in this preseason has proven that he's got enough intrinsic motivation to go out and scrap for what he has. And if nothing else, maybe having people counting him out and saying that he could be a bust, maybe that kind of extrinsic motivation somehow converts itself, and now all of a sudden he's able to push himself to get healthy and to take his game to that next level. Like maybe this is a catalyst for his career hitting that next level. It's just hard to say for sure because this variable is something that you can't plan on. This isn't an ACL tear, right? And I think that is going to be one of the things that's going to be worth monitoring is if they're able to get this under control and to get it regulated, and even if it's like he misses one out of every so many games, is he going to be able to elevate his line mates? Is this going to be the start of the next chapter of Nolan Patrick's career, or are we going to see more of the same? Well, I mean, he is still 21. There's a lot of growing up to do. Um, There's a lot of maturing as a hockey player to do. Um, so I, I, again, I'm not ready to throw that bust label on, on the kid, but I do, I do got to tell you that I, I'm, I am concerned that he's not going to ever be what we had hoped he was going to be. So anyway, for what it's worth. So let's talk about the guy that was brought in to replace him as the 2C. Kevin Hayes, I think, has looked very good in this preseason. It's preseason. He's, well, I know. It's preseason. But, and yeah, look, but it's better, look, it's better, it's better, it's better for him. It's better for him to be a top three points leader in the preseason. I get it's preseason, but it's better for him to look as good as he's looked thus far than for him to come out absolutely flat and then have people getting on him right away about being a bust of a signing for the team. You're not right? wrong. Because you because you you know how the city is. You know how sports fans are. You know how media is. And if he had come out looking flat, if he had looked disinterested, uh, those Saravalli comments on our podcast earlier this summer, I think would have, uh, you know, hovered over him pretty, pretty heavily, right? But because he's come out and he's looked as good as he has, he came out uh, on the behind the behind the glass special, and said that he was done with the New York Rangers. He wanted nothing to do with them. I think he's trying to endear himself to a fan base. And I think he's cognizant of what was said on this show uh, and the uh, the subsequent fallout that, that happened where people within the fan base, obviously some went right to his defense and said, you don't sign a contract like he signed if you don't want to play in that city. But there was that dissenting crowd that agreed that, uh, you know, he just chased the money here. Either um, way, he's here for a long time. So well, yeah, I think I, he's aware of it. Yeah, and, and I, I can guarantee you, I can say this with 100% certainty, um, that I am, he is aware of what was said on our show. 
Um, he... Not by us. Not by us. Let's yes. let's clarify that because because there were at least one or two articles this summer yes. that made it sound as though you and I had thrown something against the no, wall to see if it we stuck. did not. This was for, for was, once. This was, was not. This was not us reporting. This was us just being the conduit for for someone to report it. But um, Frank Saravalli did come on the podcast and and, and say that uh, Hayes told another uh, NHL player that. Um, he would only sign here if the Flyers overpaid him. He was not uh, interested in – like he had other places that he would have preferred to go, um, basically. Um, but let's just say that I'm, I'm certain, I'm aware of the fact that, that Kevin Hayes knows that that conversation happened on our show um, and that uh, he, he's, he understands what his role now has to be. Uh, and how he has to approach it, um, and, and he, you know, I think he was kind of get kind of got indoctrinated to Philadelphia Flyers hockey, and what it means to be a Philadelphia Flyer in this city, um, right off the bat. And he knows that that spotlight's going to be on him, and so the the question will be, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to play great in the preseason because you're playing against you know half of an NHL team and a half of a non NHL team on most nights. And you know you can look really good in the preseason if you if you give it some kind of effort and you're an NHL quality player, which of course he is an NHL quality player. <clears throat> but how will that translate once the games matter and you're playing against real NHL competition night in night out? And then if if you go into a situation where you're not quite you know finishing, you're not scoring the goals, you're not tallying the points you know you're caught on the ice for a a bad goal against or you're on the penalty kill and it's you're not killing penalties as well as you should will that then suddenly start the will that worm turn on him and will it turn quick and how will he handle that and then that's what we don't know and that's what you know it's great to sit there and say yeah he's he's handling it right right now because he certainly is and from all from all accounts that I can tell he's a great guy and He's got the right attitude, and that's good. Um, but we will kn- we won't know until we see him face adversity, and it could well well be right off the bat if he struggles to to really score uh, at the beginning of the season. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I'm not passing any judgments one way or the other just yet on Kevin Hayes. I think he looks good, and I'm happy <laughs> for him. Thanks, Russ. See, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to be positive. Hey, it's, by the way, our, you know, and I know we got we get a, we get a zillion comments on Twitter, right? I mean, we we put it out there that sure. we're going to be recording, and like everybody chimes in. But one yeah. of our old buddies, uh, Roar sixty eight, Roar sixty eight. I'm convinced. By the way, Roar sixty eight. I'm ninety nine percent sure is another member of the media. <laughs> I'm like pretty sure, and I have I have a whole theory. I I've kind of gone. Um, what's the what's the character that uh, Pepe Silva? Is it Pepe Silva that uh, um, Charlie Day plays in um, in It's Always Sunny? <laughs> yeah. Where he like starts going wild, like the meme, right? Where he's got like everything connected. It's all connected. I think it's Pepe Silva. Uh, whatever. Uh, that I, I'm gonna release this at some point on a uh, on a future episode of either Snow the Goalie or the Press Row Show. Yeah, it is Pepe Silva. I just I, I confirmed it. Pepe Silvia. No, yeah, Silvia. Anyway, continue. Go, anyway. go on about Roar sixty eight, who's definitely a member of the media. So Roar sends, you know, you ask for people if they have any questions for the show. He sends six in in over the course of two tweets. 
six Bless questions. Bless you, Roar 68. Bless you. So, so I figure rapid fire. We're going to rapid fire them real quick. Okay. All right. One, will Russ be singing between periods again this year? Yes. You're goddamn right. Yes. Yes, he will. Number two, I heard food sure snacks. Will. I heard the food snacks were changing in the press box. Will this have any effect on take-home food Russ was taking home in his backpack? <laughs> Heck yeah! Oh, two things. So two very exciting uh, updates, and I'll show this off on the Press Row Show for those who are listening who are like, "What the bleep is the Press Row Show?" Of course, that's the live stream uh, pregame and intermission, first and second intermission show that Anthony and I do uh, on the Crossing Broad Facebook page, the Crossing Broad Twitter. Anthony's uh, Twitter, and I believe mine as well via Periscope. Uh, we might even dabble into Twitch and YouTube Live. Don't don't worry. It'll it'll be live streaming everywhere. Uh, we'll do that every Flyers home game, pregame, first and second intermission. I have two things that are very exciting. I saw Russ Cohen put up a picture of Swedish fish uh, being served in the press box, which is absolutely dangerous and deadly for me because I put on, I think last season... We got to like January and I realized that I think I had put on like 15 pounds since the beginning of the season. And I was the like, freshman, hey, nay, the freshman 15 change. It was the freshman 15. Seriously. Seriously. And I got rid of it, which is good. Like, I think I'm down 20 from January, which is good. Like, I'm happy about that. But if Swedish fish are going to be an every game staple, I'm screwed. There is no way for me to get around this. Now, granted, I probably won't go after the popcorn. I used to have like two or three boxes of popcorn a game, if you remember, and uh, at least one iced tea. Nay, nay, I'm staying away from it. But Swedish fish, I can't say no to. I hope the Flyers continue to bring back those bagged chocolate chip cookies, though, down in the media room. They are delicious. And here's the other fun thing, Roar. I got a new bag. So my birthday was at the end of September. My wife got me this really awesome uh, leather backpack, and it's got like all these extra wonderful compartments for all of the different wires and equipment that I need for the Press Row show. I'm very excited. I'll show that off during the Press Row show. Very exciting stuff. But I have new That's compartments good. to hide more food to take home with me. Yeah. Very excited. Uh, then, Continue. Then he, gets into, then he gets into some real questions. Uh, number three, okay. what, veteran, what veteran will be AV's whipping boy? Jake, JVR? I don't know. I, I almost wonder if there's going to be this immediate um, – because he's got the comfort, he, he knows Kevin Hayes, and he's had Kevin Hayes before. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to make an example of Kevin Hayes wow. early in the Could season you, if I'll things tell you aren't what. going well. I'll tell you what. If he does that – see, I think, I think this fan base is, is going to be behind Vigneault 100% with a lot of what he does and says – so if he does that, I think he could turn the fan base onto the guy, you know, turn 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 them on on Hayes. And, and you know, like Hayes is kind of teetering on that borderline already because of the contract that he was given. Wow, that would be that would be some dynamic. I don't I don't see it. Um I I think uh uh I I think I do think that, you know, somebody like JVR would be more likely. Although I I don't think that there's any. I don't think he's that kind of coach. I don't think he's the kind of coach who's going to have one guy that he's going to constantly, you know, throw under the bus. I don't see it. Um, question four, okay. slow slow start, how long before a trade? Um, so that's an interesting question, and that also gets into a question that somebody else had. Uh, it was Chris Naffey, Chris Kringle, 90, 1977, who brought up uh, – I, I already mentioned Russ Cohen about the uh, the Swedish fish – but I believe it might have been on Stick to Hockey. He had mentioned the possibility of Nolan Patrick being traded at some point this season, even potentially early, uh, before the deadline. 
I would say that if this team doesn't get off to a hot start, if they get off to a below 500 start and we're 15 games into the season and this is looking a lot like the same squad from a season ago, I don't think that Chuck Fletcher is going to go and pull the immediate emergency uh, valve, but I, I do think that you'll see some kind of a maybe third line sort of move, something that rattles the chemistry of the team a little bit. Um, but I, I can't imagine like, this isn't going to be some kind of like foundational change. Like you're not going to see if they get off to a bad start, like they're not going to trade Claude Giroux. They're not going to trade Jake Voracek. Um, I would say that like JVR is maybe like one of the prime trade candidates, because if the idea is to play with pace, JVR certainly does not fit that mold. And if he ends up becoming the whipping boy, as you kind of alluded to, then maybe he ends up being the guy that's on the outs with AV from day one. I, I would say that like there's a chance. The problem, of course, is that albatross of a contract. He's still got $7 million a year remaining for four more seasons. You're going to have to either eat some bad salary on the way back, which kind of defeats the purpose, especially because JVR can put up goals. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what you'd get back for him. That's where I'm at. So much for rapid, feel. so much for rapid fire. Um, the, how long before they trade? I would say uh, early December. Early okay. December is my my you know what I would say. If if they get off to a bad start, um, then yeah, I'll go uh, I'll go early December. Number five, will they make the playoffs? I heard on one national podcast as Flyers being a top five Stanley Cup winner candidate. I want to know wonder what national podcast that is. Um, that must be geez. what I saw when I said about second in the Met. That must have been I, – I can't find the tweet. I've, I've been looking this whole time. That's crazy. Um, I knew I wasn't uh, crazy. So I, I, I hate to hedge. I mean, I'm going to say no, but, I, but I'm thinking that there's a real possibility that they – you know, I mean, I, they have a, I think they have a real shot at it. But I, if, I'm ha- if I have to pick today, I'm going to say no, they just miss – um, but I'm not, uh, I'm not a hundred percent on that. I, I want to, I want to reserve the right to change my opinion after, after I watch them play a little I, bit. I do think they're going to make it, but I don't think this team is going to look the same at the end of the season. Like, that's, I, I that, think that that's fine. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Like, I, I think that there, there will be at least one somewhat major move made before the trade deadline to try to get this team because, between Dave Scott wanting to see this team take the next step, uh, AV not wanting to sit back and be complacent, he still has you know a a lengthy resume and a certain standard to uphold, and I think Chuck Fletcher did a good enough job for the first year of sitting back and kind of taking stock of what the system is and how the uh, the young prospects fit into it. I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a move of some prospects. Uh, and and go out and try to get somebody, even if it's on a rental deal or a, or a one year deal, to try to get somebody to bring in some kind of reinforcement for this team to get them into the playoffs. Not saying that they're going to go and you know pull a massive upset in round one. They might end up being like a five games and out sort of uh, first round matchup, but I do think they're going to make it. Um, now, if, if it's a, a huge trade that they make and they're able to to take their their team and and go out and make a move that gets a top six forward preferably like a top line kind of forward that 
can snipe, somebody who can actually put the biscuit in the basket, then um, you know maybe we reevaluate at that point. But I do think they'll make it. Yeah. Um, I, again, I can see them get in. I, 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 I hate to be the hedger. I, I hate to hedge. I, I'm not. I don't like doing that. But I. Just, this is just one of those seasons where I think it can go one way or the other. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick no. But like that's like a 51% no, 49% yes. That's kind of how I feel. Um, and then number six, Mike Richards was on Spitting Chicklets and said he wasn't talking to the media back in the day because of one Philly writer about alcohol. And he asked if it was Frank. And the answer to that is no, it was not Frank. Whoa. Okay. It was not Frank. Is it somebody who still covers the team? Yes. Is it you? No. Mike and I had a great relationship. I talked to Mike okay. a lot off. off. I mean, he he invited me the, the summer that they traded him. Um, he invited me. Uh, I told him I was going to be up in um, – Canada for in the summer I was going to a um, to a cabin uh, on a lake uh, in Ontario and he said oh man you should come you come out uh, come over we'll talk we'll hang, hang out you know whatever and I was like all right yeah yeah so I said just <laughs> send send me the address and I'll, I'll come over and he did and I didn't even realize because Ontario is so ridiculous at how it's shaped it was a nine-hour drive <laughs> From where, I, from where I was to where Mike a was, a nine-hour drive, and I texted him back, and I was, and I was like, uh, "No, I can't do it. It's a little, little too far. Can't make, can't make that trip." But uh, so no, it was not, it was not me. Hmm. Interesting. I'll start the uh, Spanish Inquisition in the uh, press box. All you, all will, you have uh, to do, if you were, I'll around, withhold this. The uh, Swedish if you, fish. If you were around, then you know who it was and if you don't just google it, it you'll find it it, okay. it it was it was pretty it was a it was a major blow up uh in washington dc is where oh we all, uh, oh oh yeah. i got it okay yeah yeah i remember this coming up at some point got it i'm on yeah. it we'll let the fans find out for themselves okay uh, well, thanks to Roar68 for all of those uh, those wonderful questions. That was great. Um, are there any other ones that you wanted to get to? Uh, I see Bob get... Sharp sent one over here. Sharp 25 said a uh, concern level of going into the offseason with about $30 million in cap space and now not being well, able to, to field the most talented roster yeah. because of cap issues. So, we, you know, we let off about Farabee and Myers being sent down. You yeah, wanted to like get the... to the salary cap, so go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about this, Ross, because – this was a team that had a ton of cap room coming into this offseason, right? And then they made these little moves here and there, and you kind of wondered, like, okay, well, all right, they're going to keep some of Racco Gudis' salary. All right, yeah, whatever. They got the space. They can kind of do it. Um, you know, and, 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 like, they make these little odds and ends kind of moves, and they get themselves to a point now where they're going into the season – and they only have $283,000 worth of cap space, which is basically saying you have no cap space because you can't pay someone $283,000 to play. Um, yep. So you, they have zero cap space uh, as of right now. And they're going to have to start playing the LTIR game again to mm-hmm. ensure that they can you know, have players play and have a, a sizable enough roster. And if you do that and you, you – have guys on LTIR long enough, it could impa- impact future um, uh, 
cap space uh, for for your for your team because you have uh, you know carryover of money that has to go you know towards the towards the future because you used up uh, long term injury space and it, mm-hmm. it, it's a concern that you put yourself into this position and it doesn't look like there's a way out of it either because when you really look at this team. Almost everybody on this roster, with the exception of Justin Braun and I guess I guess Brian Elliott, really, and I guess maybe Tyler Pitlick, um, they're all signed through next year too. So really, how much money are you saving um, going into next year as well? I mean, I, it's just I I don't think that Chuck Fletcher necessarily did the best job he could in managing the cap mm-hmm. with this team I, I, and it's kind of a tough spot like I, I don't think that they left themselves you know they bought out Schlemko they bought out AMAC so that's like another what two and a half million dollars or so two million dollars it's counting against the cap this year kept a million from Gudis that's three million I mean that's you know that's money that you should that you should have that room that room should be there for you and the fact that it's not it is 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 disappointing um you know I, I look they're not the only team that's in this boat um you know toronto is way over they they got guys on long term injury buffalo's over vegas is over arizona's over penguins are over um and then like i think there's another six teams including the flyers who have cap space but not enough for a a full player they're all less than three hundred thousand dollars so that, there's a lot of teams that are kind of operating in this facet but that doesn't make it right you know what i'm saying it doesn't make it right yeah. you, you, they should have left themselves room and they didn't and that's that's concerning to me and, and you really don't want to start screwing around with ltir because it, you, we saw we've seen it we've been through it we've been through the 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 rigors of it and and how it can impact your squad for for a long time, and why why mm-hmm. risk going into that into that dungeon again? I don't know. Well, and I think that's part of the problem too, right? Because early in the off season, um, I I think I, I don't remember which episode it was, but there was an episode where I was like very critical of the way that the the team had, in my opinion, mismanaged their cap, uh, and I said that they blew their opportunity, and then that was when I. Uh, I went over to Reddit just to see if anybody agreed, and I saw I was getting slaughtered on on a subreddit about, you know, whining that the team hadn't done enough. And it was like, well, at, at that point, they hadn't. And even if you look at it now, this is part of the problem, right? Like, this is part of why I was upset is, sure, they had RFAs they had to resign, And thankfully, they got, you know, Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov here on long-term deals. They did a bridge deal with Travis Sanheim. They brought in Kevin Hayes. But, like, this kind of goes back to like the Niskanen deal a little bit, right? When they, for some reason, decided to that they had to, or or Washington said they had to retain some of Radko Gudis' salary. Well, you know that that's starting to loom a little bit larger than I think Chuck Fletcher would have liked to have seen early in this offseason, right? It's just the kind of moves that they made to start the offseason, to me, are the kind of moves that you make at the end. Like once you've got the bulk of your cap figured out, then you start to make those small moves around the edges. And by starting it the way that they did, 
by kind of carelessly making moves and and tossing to the side the importance of that you know secondary tertiary kind of money it now comes back and it and it looms large because yeah kind of to to the point that was made here by uh by bob sharp like you're you're not able to field your best team right now you're gonna have to use all the mechanisms within the cba and within the salary cap structure of the nhl to be able to manipulate it just enough to get maybe your best lineup or one of your better lineups out there to start the season. But my God, like think about once a few of these guys have to, or like once a guy comes off of uh, long-term IR, like think about what that's going to do to your cap situation. That's that again, I guess kind of comes back to the idea of like, could they make a trade early in the season if things don't go well? Yeah. And, and again, I think that's why somebody like JVR is a prime trade candidate. If things don't go well, because if you're able to get somebody to take back that salary, that kind of gets you out of this cap hell that you've somehow put yourself in despite starting the offseason with so much space. I think it was, what, they had the second or third, I believe, most cap space going into this offseason, and you see what it's gotten them. Hopefully this team is better than you know most prognosticators are predicting. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. We'll see. Um what else? I did. We did get one another one that I wanted to kind of sneak in because it kind of came in late. Uh, got a comment from Bill Leonard at Major Seventy Eight. Hey Russ and Ant, hope all is well with both of you. Preseason ended with disappointment. Monday's game. How does AV get them on the right path to come out strong? Lines and deep pairings that will play in Friday's opener. Do you like them? Anything you'd change? Thanks. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about uh, you know like AV's approach and he's holding them to holding them accountable in the preseason, which is good. That's a good thing. Um, I think that's how you get them on the right path, is you basically tell them that they they stink and that they need to be better before the games mm-hmm. even matter, right? So we talked about that. As far as lines and D pairs, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure exactly what it's going to look like on Friday. Um, I kind of thought I did, and then he juggled the stuff up. And, then of course, you know, we have we don't know who the 12th forward is going to be at this point, whether it's going to be Farabee, whether it's going to be Pitlick, whether it's going to be someone else, I guess um, – so there's there's still a lot to be determined. So once I see what the lines and deep pairs are, I'll, I'll have a better idea. Um, but it looks like looks like uh, in what is a little bit of a surprise, um, Provorov and Sanheim will be the top pair. Uh, Gostas Bear mm-hmm. and uh, Braun is the second unit, and then Robert Haig and um, uh, Matt Niskanen is the third pair. Um, uh, and that's fine. I mean, I, you know, as as those three are, that's that's okay. I, I don't have a real problem with that. Except, you didn't trade for Matt Niskanen to be a third pair defenseman. You didn't trade a draft pick, and and uh, you know, you, I mean, you didn't eat contract for Radko Gudis. You didn't trade Gudis and 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 eat some of his contract for Matt Niskanen to be a third pair defenseman. So. You know, maybe that's just something for the for this first game. Maybe it's just something for the first handful of games, and then it's then he'll you know eventually play with Provorov. But the the reason you made that deal is to play him with Provorov, and if he's not going to do it, then that automatically devalues that trade completely. No, I think you're totally right. And look, I think we did a good job in this episode of trying to bring some of the hashtag positivity. We need to be a little bit more positadelphia, a little less negadelphia. The Flyers, of course, on Friday are going to start their season against the Chicago Blackhawks. They're going to be playing abroad. They're playing in Prague. So hopefully uh, Jake Voracek shows the guys around. 
and uh, maybe he'll unblock me from Twitter this season, although I'm not holding my breath. Um, the Flyers return home next week. Well, I guess we should point out really quickly, I believe the game starts at, what, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time? Is that correct on Friday? Or Yeah, on Friday. That is correct, yes. Okay, good. Proud of myself for that one. Um, and then the team comes back around, and they will host the Devils next Wednesday. That's the 9th, 7.30 p.m. start. It's the first game of uh, Wednesday Night Hockey on NBCSN. Worth pointing out because the NHL struck a two-year partnership with Green Day to do an anthem that they think is going to rival or they hope is going to be the NHL equivalent of Hank Williams Jr.'s uh, All My Friends Are Here on Monday, or All My Rowdy Friends Are Here on Monday Night. So we'll see how well the uh, the NHL crowd takes to Green Day, not only doing the anthem for the Wednesday night hockey, but uh, apparently a lot of other packages and video montages are going to also feature the uh, the sounds of Green Day. What do you, what do you think of uh, Green Day, by the way, Anthony? Do you have a have a thought either way? Groundbreaking. If I, if I say that I think Green Day is like one of the top three most overrated bands of all time, can no. I give you like my no, three? No, no, of... no, 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 stop there. What? No, I'll stop you there because I do like okay. Green Day as a band. Okay? okay. I do like their music. As a matter of fact, what you should know is that way back when, in 1994, uh, at Woodstock 94, yours truly was in the mud pit wow. with Green Day performing. Um in a really wild and crazy scene in New York. Yes. Uh, loved every minute of it. Well, I was probably also playing in the mud. I was either three or four years old at the time. Pretty sure the playing in dirt was what all kids like to do. There's, a, there's, by, by the way, there is a age. great story behind me playing in the mud at three or four. No, me okay. being at Woodstock 94. Okay. Is this for a future episode, or are you? Are you gonna, I don't know. Should I tell it now? You're going to bestow this on the people. Yeah, you know what? We've we've taken enough time in between episodes. I think people can uh, hang around for one one more San Filippo story. So I was um, working at a, a bar slash restaurant in Washington D.C. in 1994 while I was in college, and uh, that summer, uh, earlier that summer, uh, we had this new um, server who joined the staff really cute girl and I thought I have no shot with this girl right none whatsoever and so she just we start working a lot of the same shifts whatever blah blah blah. and she comes up to me one day and she's like hey I want to go to Woodstock 94 you want to go with me and I was like me seriously she's like "Yeah, yeah yeah let's go let's just let's just go me and you nobody else just the two of us Ooh. So I'm like all, I'm fired up, right? Like, this is awesome. So like, yeah, 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 yeah. So she's got a Jeep, right? We packed the, packed the Jeep up. We got a, we got a tent that we went out and got a tent and a backpack. I'm like, oh, Mr. Like, I'm going to camp out and with this, with this new girl and it's going to be a great time. We roll in, we drive all the way up from DC to New York. Uh, we park like a mile and a half away from the, from the field where everything's at. And, you know, we got a, Got a hike to it, and uh, I drove the last part, so I had I had the keys of the car, and we get in, uh, you know, we you know make our way to where we're going to be, and there's thousands of people, there's people strewn everywhere, and like, all right, well, we're never going to get much closer, so why don't we just set up here? Is what I said, you know, we said, oh, set up here. 
She's like, okay, yeah, yeah. So take the tent out, right? I'm starting to put the tent together. And I got a little mallet and I'm hammering it into the into the into the earth. And she goes, uh, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go grab a beer. You want one? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So she goes, she goes, all right, I'll be right back. I didn't see her again for three days. <laughs> she never returned. I never saw her again until it was time to leave. And oh I'm no! Covered in mud. I be- I became like I made friends with the other people that were like kind of camping there. Whatever we kind of hung out. They, they kind of adopted me as like the poor lost puppy. Uh, and you know, I was there on that Sunday. It was pouring rain and in the mud and Green Day's playing. And I'm finally like, oh man, I gotta I gotta get out of here. Um, so <laughs> packed up the thing and I still had the keys. So I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna. I, I don't know what to do. Like I'm not gonna find her. So, so I'm just gonna go. Like I, I was gonna, I was, I'm just gonna leave. So I, I walk back to the, you know, to the jeep, and there she is standing there at the jeep. And she looks at me. And she goes, "Where have you been?" And I'm like, "Where have I been?" <laughs> uh, needless to say, that was the quietest ride home in the history of man. Like I was so pissed off at this girl. For, for dragging me there and leading me on to believe like this was going to be a thing that we were doing together and she just wanted someone to drive her there and drive her back and it was it was a miserable miserable ride home you must have been like really sad you know you no, uh you were you were excited pissed. you were excited to go to woodstock with this girl and then bang bang you're in a mud pit still breathing <laughs> but man when i come around I'm just going to feel like an American idiot. Yeah, there you go. But hey, good riddance. Am I yeah. right? Yeah, wake me up when September ends. Mm-hmm. Because it's hot. But hey, on a positive note, it was your car, right? You didn't, you wouldn't uh, no, have to be No, it was not hitching. my car. Oh, it wasn't. So you were hitching a ride. It was, yeah, there you go. Uh, again, I had the keys. I was driving. That was the best thing. Thank God I had the keys. Because I'll be honest with you, I, I don't, I'm not convinced to this day that if she had the keys, that she doesn't leave me there. What's her name? I, I it doesn't matter, Anthony, because nice guys finish last. Hey, I'm done. So, okay. right, you're done. You're done with all your references. I'm done. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Was that worth? Was that a worthwhile story? I think that's pretty good. Yeah. All right, good. All right. I was expecting this to be like, and that's when I met the yeah, love no. of my life. No. The one that got away. No. Nope. This is just. That's sad. Hey, maybe that's like any uh, a metaphor for what's going to happen with the Flyers this season. <laughs> get, no. No. Get left, <laughs> get left stranded. Get, oh, oh, sad. Okay. Well. Thanks, Anthony. You really, uh, Mr. Happy here with the, uh, the uplifting life story. Very excited. Yep. That's that, my friends, is the way that we end this episode of Snow the Goalie. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Joy on Broad at Ant San Philly. We'll have the Press Row show going next Wednesday night as we, uh, prepare for the Flyers to take the home ice of the Wells Fargo Center for the first time this season. A season that should be full of highs, and I'm sure there will be a few lows. But if there's one thing that will be consistent in your lives, it will be Snow the Goalie, the Press Row Show, and don't forget, coming very soon to 610 ESPN Radio, Snow the Goalie Radio will be happening every week. And we'll have an update on the time and the day in probably the next week or so. So uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Check yeah, out CrossingBroad.com for all could, the uh, hockey it, coverage. It could be sooner. It could be. We we, we don't did know get any, an email. Well, we got an yeah. email here yeah. while uh, we were recording, so yeah. we're waiting on final confirmation. So we will uh, let the people know when it's happening. But uh, 
It might happen very soon. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Anyway, thanks for listening. Go over to, uh, well, iTunes is dying off. So go go to uh, Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. And we're going to do a new thing. You ready for this, Anthony? Oh, a I like, new thing I, I like as new part things. of the as part of the five star review. Yeah, because we know that we have thousands of listeners. I need people to do something. If you want your question read on the next episode of Snow the Goalie, leave us a question as part of your five star review over on Apple Podcasts. We will give priority to those reviews to those questions. So if you haven't had the chance yet, if you haven't gone over and done it yet. Go leave a question as part of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't know how to get to Apple Podcasts, go find a random person with an iPhone or a Mac or just some random person sitting on a college campus and ask them how to find Apple Podcasts and have them leave a five-star review for Snow the Goalie. It'd be greatly appreciated. And go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossing Broadcast, Crossed Up, Crossing Broad FC, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, Broadlines, and I believe there are a few other podcasts that are rolling out under the uh, Broadlines umbrella to get people ready for uh, the weekend football games in both college and the NFL. So make sure you keep an eye out for that as well. Go check out CrossingBroad.com. And if you are into legalized sports betting, we, of course, have reviews and guides and all kinds of uh, promo write-ups for some of the top sports books available in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So go check those out as well. For Anthony, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again very soon.